Hello and welcome to Platforms for Future. This podcast is about building and scaling B2B platform ventures to help you to accelerate and de-risk your journey with practical tips and insights. In our conversations, we talk to founders, executives, and experts uncovering what they experienced and learned building their ventures. But we also cover new trends like ecosystem strategies, IoT and data platforms, Web3 and sustainability. This podcast is complementary to our Platform Innovation Kit toolset and the Platform Academy, where you can find more tools and learning opportunities for you and your team. For more information, please visit platforminnovationkit.com. And now, enjoy today's conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of our podcast, Platforms for Future. Today, we talk about blockchain, NFT, Web3, and all the things uh, in the crypto world. And with me, my lovely co-host, Natalie. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Matthias. Nice to be here again. Yes, and we also have a very good and uh, very knowledgeable guest uh, today with us, Professor Philipp Sandner. Hi, Philipp. Yeah, Philip here. Um, nice to be here. And yeah, thanks for inviting. Yeah, Philip, um, we know you and um, most of the people in the blockchain universe also know you, but maybe some of our listeners don't know you. Maybe can you give a short intro about yourself, who you are, what you are doing and why are you um, yeah, so interested into blockchain? Yes, of course. Um, yeah, my name is Philipp, Philipp Sandner. I'm professor at the Frankfurt School of Finance and Management. It's a small and private university in Germany, but it's a good one. In, in Germany, we have, uh, I think, 400 something um, universities in total. And um, of them, a substantial share is having a business school, business faculty. And of those having a business faculty, the Frankfurt School belongs to the top 10 Uh, universities uh, in with a business school so it's a quite good university it's a small one it's a private one and we have founded a blockchain center there a blockchain center focusing on everything related to blockchain technology crypto assets dlt and so on we are doing this since uh, five six years we have focused on industrial use cases we have focused on crypto assets we are doing conferences workshops we also have an own study program which is called master of blockchain and digital assets and i'm basically doing blockchain topics 24-7 since a couple of years and uh, even more so not just doing blockchain but also focusing specifically on crypto assets stable coins decentralized finance NFT, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on and so forth. So that's basically my profile. Oh, very good. And um, yeah, blockchain was a big hype some years ago. Um, so I was also uh, in this space uh, for some for some years, um, three, four years ago. Um, and there was a big hype around uh, Bitcoin and all the cryptocurrencies, etc. But nowadays it's been a bit quiet around blockchain um is it kind of the uh, valley of delusion uh, as gartner called it or what do you think uh, why is not uh, blockchain all around in our um, news at the moment well it really depends you know i think it's understandable that blockchain technology has not really hit the b2b world yet you know like the the area of siemens bosch daimler porsche and you know all these companies that's where blockchain technology has not diffused yet but in case if you talk about uh, if in case you talk with individuals you know like private people age 18 to 25 or 18 to 30 right 
blockchain is the prime topic where these people are talking about look at the us the white house had announced a regulation agenda two weeks ago and in this agenda it says that there are 40 for zero 40 million us citizens who have purchased or owning crypto assets right 40 million for zero that 16 16 one six percent of the us population which is adult right so this is significant and the same is also true for europe and germany so it's basically millions of people owning bitcoin so there is a demand there and there is also a hype and there is also diffusion there but it's primarily existing in the world of individuals of private persons of young people of tech geek people and so on and so forth there is in opposite to this basically no diffusion with regard to corporations and companies Indeed, uh, uh, that leads us to thinking that uh, after individuals, soon uh, uh, companies will be uh, uh, maybe trying to ramp up on, on this topic, like uh, we've seen for many uh, digital uh, um, usage uh, being adopted first by individuals and then, uh, you know, filtering through uh, into their jobs and into companies. And it's the same for platforms. We've all used, uh, you know, Airbnb or whatever other platforms. And now companies in the B2B world are looking at this. So wh what would you say currently the reasons are that maybe the B2B world has not yet uh, totally grasped this and, and what kind of, uh, you know, trend or timing do you see on this? Yeah, I think it's also the nature of the technology, to be honest. I think blockchain technology, uh, crypto, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on, it's a technology for worldwide individuals. Doesn't matter where they are sitting. They can sit in Thailand or in South Africa or in South Korea or in Germany or in UK or Canada, wherever they are sitting. It's basically young people investigating this technology. It's private people, individuals. It's not corporations. And it's also people who are uh, somehow tech-driven or fascinated by tech. So that's basically the, let's call it the population of the crypto universe, uh, so to say. And in corporations or in companies, you have complex structures. You have very often decision makers, which are a little bit older, say 50 plus. Uh, you also have uh, regulatory concerns or regulation, which needs to be complied with and so on and so forth. So there are many reasons why companies have issues adopting this technology. As I said, you know, committees, hierarchies, groups of people uh, who have to decide something, board resolutions, um, elderly people having issues understanding digital technologies, regulatory concerns, uh, and uh, and so on and so forth. All this adds to the to the to the following uh, image. There is basically zero adoption with regard to corporations, also close to zero adoption. And on the other hand side, you have millions of people around the world, actually dozens of millions of people around the world who have adopted who or who are adopting crypto assets like Bitcoin, NFT, DeFi, and so on. That's just the, the sheer numbers. And in case we talk about enterprise blockchain solutions, one more sentence on this, you know, What I'm saying now is basically based on the numbers out there. But a couple of years ago, it was different because a couple of years ago, there were two worlds out there. There was the small crypto ecosystem and there was the world of enterprise blockchain systems. 
both has been different clusters of the technologies and both were expected to grow significantly. But time told us that the growth happened um, not in a symmetrical way. We had very strong growth and hype phases in the area of uh, digital assets in terms of crypto assets. And we had basically just a couple of prototypes, which are still prototypes, which have not hit the market as launch products. You know, it's still prototype stage after four or five years. And after dozens of companies have investigated enterprise blockchain systems, right? So it's a systematical uh, issue there or it's a systemic issue here, which I would conclude with the following point that crypto assets like no other technology previously is a technology for individuals and not for organizations. Hey, this is a very strong uh, statement. Um, let's go more into the world of the corporates and enterprises, as you said. Um, another maybe statement could be that uh, there is no killer use case at the moment for blockchain. So when you maybe compare it to IoT, industrial things, um, one of the killer use cases is predictive maintenance. So everybody understands, okay, connecting my sensors to the cloud, they can run a lot of analytics, so they can help me to lower the cost of maintenance. Do you see any similar kind of use cases also in the corporate world or do you think on the enterprise world, um, like a killer use case of blockchain, which should uh, convince everybody in the corporate world to also have a look at blockchain? Or do you think, no, this kind of killer use case is still missing in the blockchain world? Yeah, well, there there is some kind of killer use case. The killer use case, uh, to some degree, is uh, basically uh, crypto assets, right? Especially smart contract platforms where you have international uh, international platforms which are doing my, which, which where you can represent many different assets, you know, from stable coins denoted in US dollar, or where you can represent digital uh, assets such as equity instruments or debt instruments, and so on and so forth. Um, this is happening around the entire world, and Ethereum is just one of the largest um, smart contract platforms out there. There are also many others which are competing with Ethereum, which are a little bit smaller, like Avalanche, Polkadot, Cosmos, and so on and so forth. So I think that's basically very, very, very interesting. Uh, and uh, therefore, I think smart contract pro uh, platforms apparently seem to be some kind of killer use case. Also, Bitcoin is an interesting technology, especially when it comes to, uh, to a potential storage of value in the future and so on and so forth. Looking at it from a different perspective, blockchain is also an enabling technology. And um, so with all the protocol things, et cetera. So it enables more like an infrastructure thing. Uh, it enables other use cases. And um, you described cryptocurrencies, for example, as one use case. So you have a digital currency you can exchange, et cetera, or digital assets you can exchange and and, and trade and whatever. And um, so is this may is maybe blockchain kind of an enabling technology also for the finance world and the insurance world? Because what we see at the moment in the platform world is that a lot of kind of traditional companies like banks or insurance companies, they go a strategy of embedded finance, embedded insurance. So not only the customers come to the bank, but also the bank now comes to the customer and they embed their services into other platforms, other kind of digital services. So could be blockchain also an enabling technology for, especially for banks, insurance companies to embed their services yeah, into platforms, into other kind of yeah, digital vehicles? 
Yes, I think this makes very much sense. We see all uh, kind of banks, asset managers, financial intermediaries, investigating technology and also trying to uh, identify use cases where they could attach their systems to Ethereum, for example, as a smart contract platform, especially when you see how digital assets might be represented on uh, on this smart contract platform. Yeah. But I also... Uh, I also think that, you know, smart contract platforms, they are just there and banks are now adopting to them. But smart contract platforms would also grow without banks. You know, it's a decentralized technology. In, individuals are interested in this around the world. So decentralized technologies are growing anyway. And banks have the opportunity to now connect to them. But in case banks would not connect to them, in case banks would not adopt this technology in any way, the decentral technologies would potentially still grow. Yeah? So therefore, it's an interesting question which you have posed, and it's also an interesting relation between these two between these two domains. What you're saying is either they jump on the bandwagon or or they're left behind, and it will happen anyway, right? You, mm, you know, you, you always see the the, 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 the the entire population of uh, companies or organizations. Some of the organizations are uh, very progressive and they are adopting the technology very early, also using the existing regulation out there. Like the fastest regulated entities here are crypto exchanges or custodians. And then you also have small brokerage companies, for example, or ETF funds and so on. And then you have uh, larger um, uh, banks. Well, in Germany, we have Deutsche Bank, for example, Commerzbank and other ones. They are adopting the technology a little bit slower. So you have, as always, like an entire distribution of speed speediness, right? You have a couple of companies who are very fast, a couple of companies who are uh, much slower, and some of them are in the middle, some of them are at the forefront and so on, as always. But typically, we can see right now that smaller entities uh, can be faster than larger entities. I think this is also not coming as a surprise. And what we what we also see is, um, yeah, we're also working together with uh, or building up a startup in the decentralized finance space. And what we also realized is that As you said at the beginning, the individuals, they have a high demand. They really want to go into the crypto world. But if they seek for advisory at those traditional companies, the traditional companies, they don't have the experts. They don't really have the advisory uh, or not that many experts and that no, uh, not that many advisors who could um, supply the, the advisory to the high amount of, of demand. So a lot of people now went away from the banks as traditional, let's say, wealth managers or advisors and um, look into the crypto world and say, um, there are other experts. There are other experts there for years. They have um, you know, gained their own experience, their own knowledge about uh, crypto. So why not turning to them? They can give me a much better advice than instead of those traditional banks. So maybe this is something like decentralized finance, also a kind of um, yeah, decentralized way of or democratizing of finance expertise. Do you, do, you, do you share this kind of understanding? Yes, exactly. And what I would like to mention here is the following. Um, I think, you know, the, the key question is, in case we, in case, you know, finance is currently being ran by, uh, by institutions out there, uh, which have been built 
decades ago, you know, like the banking system, the banking licenses, the market authorities uh, like BaFin in Germany and so on and so forth, you know, so the entire, entire financial sector is basically organized and operated by institutions. And then if we have countries, for example, like the US, Europe as a whole, Germany and so on and so forth, who are having quite good institutions. And in case a country or a region is having such good institutions, they do not necessarily urgently need blockchain technology and crypto assets, right? Because the system writes, the system runs quite smoothly. Institutions are working. You can store your money on the bank. You have, um, in the past at least, uh, the euro or the US dollar with a quite low inflation rate on, and so on. So in such a high quality, in it's all relative, I know. But in case you have such a high quality institutional environment, then not necessarily you need crypto assets, right? But what happens in in a country where you do not have such high quality institutions? Yeah, Take a country where, where the banking system is not working at all. Take Ukraine, where the system is currently being destroyed. Uh, take uh, Russia, where, uh, where people also have difficulties working with good institutions, at least. Then we have other countries like Venezuela, you have a high inflation rate there and so on and so forth. So people living in such countries might suffer because they do not have good institutions which they can work with to do business, for example, or to save money or to store money or to transfer money and so on and so forth. And I think the more I think about it, I think the crypto assets, blockchain, Bitcoin and so on, the, it's basically primarily useful in countries and environments where you do not have such institutions of high quality, where you have shaky institutions, where institutions are getting destroyed, where you have inflation and so on, then crypto assets, Bitcoin and so on can function as a replacement institution, like a like plan B for an institution. That makes in my mind very much sense because people in these countries, they cannot simply store money at their bank account. They cannot simply move money around uh, the world with PayPal because there is no PayPal in such countries and so on and so forth. So I think in case you would like to fully assess crypto assets and also the benefits of it, you always have to understand what is the comparison in terms of institutional quality in Europe, or in other countries, and then you can conclude whether crypto assets are good or whether you urgently need them, because in case you have good institutions, then the system runs quite smoothly and so on, then you not necessarily urgently immediately need crypto assets. But it, with the absence of institutions, I think there is an extremely good case that crypto assets make sense. A very good point. Um, I would also think we can go a step further means uh, what we see is a trend towards ecosystems. So our world has has been shaped by countries and borders. And uh, what we see over the last yeah, 50 years or whatever is a, a, a broader merger of ecosystems. So before that, we had those trades between countries and uh, and then we have now Asia and Europe and we have America, but everything is more and more well connected with each other. That's what you also see now with with the war in Ukraine. And they want, if, if you want to uh, put in place some sanctions against Russia, then everything is really well connected with each other. So it's a really a complex system at the moment. So you, and uh, this is in as indicator for how those broader ecosystems are merging and merging more and more together. And this requires also that the digital or the way how we digitally operate and exchange values 
is based on a trustful system, maybe like blockchain, this um, DLT, etc. Et and this leads me to thinking about the metaverse. So this could be the metaverse, not the metaverse of, fi of Facebook, but metaverse in general as a kind of a digital ecosystem re representing a digital world like a second life 2.0. Is this something we are trending towards to in the next 10, 15, 20 years? And blockchain will um, play a huge and a massive role in the whole metaverse uh, yeah, ecosystem? Yes, I actually, I would perfectly agree with this. The, the metaverse can be imagined like a digital world and you could have in the future, you could have metaverse environments which have been generated or established by companies such as Facebook. That, that's what I would call the closed metaverse. And then you might also have metaverses which uh, could be more defined as an open uh, metaverse that, that and these open metaverse uh, variants should be, you know, driven by blockchain, blockchain technology, where you can have assets which are traveling across such metaverses and so on and so forth. And we can also discuss at this point of time, you know, why does the metaverse make sense? In my mind, the metaverse makes very much sense for everything related to communication between people and also entertainment of people, right? So in case people are spending time nowadays uh, for entertainment, be it Netflix or uh, computer gaming or whatever, all this could potentially move, be moved towards um, to, towards some kind of open metaverse. And the same could be true for communicating. Communicating is Zoom sessions, it's business meetings, and so on and so forth. I think communication and entertainment, that's the prime use cases for the metaverse including then the relations of identities, uh, assets which are traveling around, and so on and so forth. But I also think, as I said, there will be a closed metaverse. Um, that The word closed is wrong, basically, because it will also some kind also be open to some kind, right? Um, but there will be two different philosophies with regard to metaverses. One will be driven by, uh, for example, companies such as uh, Facebook or Meta, and the other one will be driven by open source-based crypto ecosystems dear listeners i hope you enjoy our podcast and you can learn more about building and scaling a successful platform business i'm matthias ceo of fastbreak one and as you know we at fastbreak one are platform entrepreneurs by heart since over 20 years we are building new platforms and this makes us one of the most experienced platform venture builders around the globe if you are a corporate and you tried out different strategies, consultants, IT partners, but your platform initiative struggles to scale, please check out our assessment services. For example, we work closely together with a leading insurance company who tried to establish a platform for two years, but the results were below expectations and the risk to fail was very high. Within one month, we helped them to understand the bottlenecks and created a step-by-step -step plan to scale. Today, we are working very closely with the company and the platform became a market leader. Yes, we are no consultants. We are entrepreneurs and we love to share the risk and go full in in building new platform ventures. Learn more about our experience and our practices of work at our website www.fastbreak.one or send us an email to contact at fastbreak.one. And now let's go back to the conversation. Uh, go back to the platform world. Um, how do you think is uh, 
Um, so yeah, we talked about metaverse and, and and cryptocurrencies, but how is blockchain also affecting the the bigger platforms or the platform economy itself? What do you think? Mm. Yeah, difficult. Difficult. Uh, I think you know, as I said, entertainment and communication makes very much sense. Within entertainment, there are also use cases such as tourism and so on. So therefore, I think um, it, it's, it might simply be a new kind of digital world where primarily young people might be for, as I said, entertaining and uh, communicating. Um, besides this, you know, it's so early. Or the entire metaverse discussion just started one year ago. So it's extremely early to envision what's going on here already. But I think one, one thing is clear. We are just in the very, very, very early beginning. And in case people are trying to use the metaverse as it is right now, they will be disappointed because it's just in the very, very, very early beginning. So the what the media reports, what the metaverse is and could be, is really something different than what could already be done in the metaverse already. So I think we need a couple of years more to understand where this part of technological development is going to. Uh, so before we uh, uh, reach the metaverse, and uh, uh, so in the meantime, we are in the universe, right? Um, linked to the to Matthias' question on on the platform uh, platforms uh, and the platform business model, we see uh, quite a few uh, startups. Uh, that uh, leverage uh, blockchain or NFTs to address uh, a topic which is trust and traceability. What do you think of uh, of this question of trust and, and traceability? And is this maybe an anchor for for this technology in our current universe before we get into the metaverse? <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. You know, regards blockchain technology, there are so many use cases. So I, I typically use the, the following five clusters to describe them. Um, but there might also be other variants to describe the, the world of blockchain. So first of all, there is the world of digital securities. Uh, that's basically traditional securities like stocks and debt instruments moved over to blockchain technology, right? This also includes the huge area of tokenization of assets. Then second, we have the topic around digital euro, digital dollar, and so on, which is about payment. And here we might see uh, streamlined uh, processes in the future. This is also the world of industrial use cases, and potentially there might also be some, um, some use cases in the area of supply chain management uh, and uh, manufacturing, logistics, and so on. Then we have the ecosystems of crypto assets, that's Bitcoin, DeFi, NFT, and so on. Then the third, we have the domain of CO2 tokenization. I think this will be very interesting, basically mapping CO2 and CO2 offsetting rights on blockchain systems in the form of tokens. This will be very large in the future. And the last one, number five, is related to identity. And identity is basically we with our personal identity, that's the passport and the ID card. And secondly, identity is also the commercial register of companies. And the third aspect of identity is also the identity of things, components, and so on. Typically, this part is discussed with the term digital twin. So concerning your question, I think uh, this also makes sense to, to put it in, in these five boxes. I think uh, logistics, supply chain management, manufacturing, and so on are fitting very nicely in the domain of payment, digital euro, and also in the domain of identity management. 
Well, coming back to your earlier stage statement about um, the blockchain and so on, or maybe yeah, metaverse is is good in the area of entertainment. How how does entertainment relate to the five areas you laid out uh, regarding blockchain? Where's um, there where's this intersection between entertainment and those five uh, use case categories? Let's say this way. Yeah, that's a good point. So these five use case categories, they uh, they emerged for me personally last year. That was prior to the metaverse. So therefore, you are absolutely right. The metaverse uh, domain might be a sixth domain, but it's also strongly related uh, towards decentral protocols, including NFT, but also including identity management and so on. So it's 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 not easy to, to bring the, the metaverse uh, fitting in there very nicely. I actually, I need to revise my, my categories and also add uh, the metaverse uh, there. But I think, uh, you know, Matthias, your, your question also makes me think of some platforms uh, that link to the, your fifth element, Philip, uh, the, the identity uh, of things or of uh, virtual things, maybe, uh, because there are some platforms, for example, um, in the US that are enabling to track um the uh, the rights the ip rights for creators within a movie so uh, whether it's the the songwriter whether it's uh, the scenario the scenarist or whatever but yeah this identity of the parts of a greater um a, a greater object which is the movie or the series uh can also maybe uh, be a use case and fit into your fifth category yeah interesting point but uh, so can you can you specify a question again sorry but i i did really uh, got a question my, my, it was just a, a comment based on, ah, okay, okay, on okay. Matthias' question. Uh, I, I didn't uh, really uh, uh, ask a question because Matthias was asking about uh, what about the you know the film production and series and what category does this fit into? So I was kind of yeah. guessing I'm, that it could also fit into your fifth category with the traceability of things of elements of a movie. Yeah, I, w I would also add that. Um, maybe not the sixth category, uh, Philip, but maybe the metaverse to fully get enriched, um, then maybe it requires four out of your five categories to be implemented. Like you need to have a real metaverse in place or a full metaverse in place. In place, you need maybe a digital securities. You need also payment. You also need crypto assets. You also need identity. Uh, so, and all of those categories together will enable a strong metaverse from my perspective. Um, um, but coming back to another use case, um, NFTs. NFTs are also a big hype at the moment. Um, do you share this hype, Philip, or do you think, you, no, it's, it will be just a hype. Uh, maybe in one, two years it will be gone. Or do you think, yeah, no, behind NFT, there is something bigger uh, and it will stay a while. So what is your uh yes take on nfts yep nfts are fascinating they they have already been fascinating when they first came to life with the crypto kitties a couple of years ago and uh, now again they are very fascinating but i think the framing of the technology currently has gotten a little bit wrong because very often it said that nfts are digital art and that's basically not true in my mind there are nfts which 
which might have the appearance of digital art. Yeah, for example, the crypto punks. You know, this is really a new, new type of art, or this entire topic around regenerative art. That's very fascinating, and this you could actually call art. But there are also many, many, many other NFT projects which I would not really uh, see to be art. They are more like status symbols for a young generation. You know, like a young generation not having. Um, a watch at the wrist anymore, not having a necklace anymore, not having nice pants anymore, but just having other values, for example, trying to get affiliated with a specific community digitally, for example, by owning some kind of NFT as a status symbol and adding it to the Twitter profile, right? So therefore, we have to clearly see that NFT is a cross-sectional technology where you can do all kinds of stuff with this uh, technology. Digital art is just one very small element here, and we should not mix up digital status symbol for the younger generation with digital art. I think this uh, this this confusion is currently um, existing because people very often cannot really underestimate how digital status symbols are working. I think there is a misunderstanding here, and besides this, I think NFT can be moved for can be used for so much more uh, possibilities like. You know, we, we know it already, ticketing, tokenization of time, you know, that's the specific time elements, then tokenizing other elements which people would like to own, representing uh, digital items in computer games. There are so many things which might be represented by NFT. So therefore, I think the, the hype to some degree at least is justified. Yeah, I agree with you with the use case. Uh, I, I've seen some very, very interesting uh, non-art related NFT uh, use cases that are emerging. I think it's still a bit of a long way and there will be some uh, yeah, some good things and some uh, less interesting things. But uh, yeah, and, and with this, with what you were describing about uh, young people, you know, wanting to be part of a community through those, uh, this NFT technology that, to me, there we're getting into closer to the metaverse, right? Mm-hmm. Philip, you are also a part, and or maybe you you co-founded the German Blockchain Association and also the International Token Standardization Association, where you yeah, kind of setting standards for naming of tokens and so on. Maybe can you explain a little bit more um, what you are doing and why do you think this is so important? Yeah, I think that's a good question. So actually, indeed, we founded the ITSA, uh, the International uh, Token Standardization Association. We founded this a couple of years ago. It has a couple of dozens members, and we are trying to indeed provide standards for the token economy. That's, for example, is a possibility to identify tokens. The reason is that, for example, many tokens exist on many, many layer ones, solution. So that's basically endless tokens, which are sitting on some change. And uh, there is uh, basically not much structure out there, which is providing uh, clarity and uh, also a systematic way to identify tokens. So so take an example, for example, the stable coin called Tether. Tether is a stable coin in coin market cap. It just feels like one project. But from a technical perspective, Tether consists of more than 10 different tokens, because Tether exists as a stable coin on many 
layer one solutions on many smart contract solutions, right? So Tether is not just one smart contract. It's a collection of smart contracts, it's a family of smart contracts. And that's basically what we are trying to, uh, to identify. And therefore it makes so much sense to identify these tokens to then be able to, for example, group them in projects or understand basically how smart contract based uh, DeFi and other projects are working or existing. I think this makes very much sense. Secondly, we are not just identifying tokens this way, but we are also categorizing tokens. This means we have compiled multiple dimensions for tokens and we are providing these kind of categories to be able to also create buckets of tokens. Yeah, We know that there are stablecoin tokens, utility tokens, security tokens, and all kinds of other tokens. And this way we are structuring Uh, hundreds of tokens according to multiple dimensions uh, to provide some information about what type of token are we talking about. And the reason is that everything can be a token. And because everything can be a token, we need to really look at the content of the token. What is the economic purpose of this token? And that's basically what we are trying to do with ITSA. How many different kinds of tokens you already have discovered? Um, there, there are no archetypes, right? We are having seven or eight dimensions for multiple attributes. And for these attributes, we have created all kinds of facets of tokens. Yeah? As I said, um, the first dimension is applicable for the economic purpose of a token. Here we have utility tokens, payment tokens, and also security tokens. And for these groups, there are much more tokens out there, which is basically outlined in our ITC framework. Because for example, with regard to utility tokens, we have settlement tokens, we have discount tokens, we have all kinds of other tokens. Um, and in total, I would say that there are maybe uh, 50 or 60, maybe even 80 different attributes for tokens, which makes sense and which also requires us uh, to classify tokens in, in a very systematic way. I like the whole um, the whole work because I think <clears throat> yeah this is exactly the transfer we do at the moment from a physical world into the digital world and the tokens are representing physical items uh, we have at the moment and uh, they need to be replaced by a digital uh, thing and th those are the tokens and therefore you need also the technology which yeah, represents at the end the token and makes and enables the token. And therefore, you you need to develop this kind of token model. So I really, really like it. So looking maybe into the future. Um, so we talked about metaverse, NFTs, use cases. Where do you see the future of blockchain in the next five, 10 years? So what, what kind of topics you see rise in the next years? I, I think it's it's basically these five uh, use case classes which I have outlined previously. I just repeat them very briefly: digital securities, including the tokenization of assets, then digital euro, digital dollar, then the next is digital or let's call it decentral protocols like Bitcoin, Ethereum, NFT, DeFi. Then we have CO2 on blockchain and ultimately identity management. Metaverse is uh, potentially a sixth uh, domain, which could also be mentioned here. I think we will see that these exactly these domains uh, will be growing uh, very, very, very nicely. But we also have to acknowledge that it's a peer-to-peer -peer technology. It's a technology for individuals. Therefore, to be honest, I do not see much adoption among large-scale companies. I don't see much adoption among industrial companies and so on and so forth. I, I, I think the dynamic goes on for individuals, for 
everything where individuals can design in a peer-to-peer -peer manner. That's the origin of the technology. And there are good use cases out there for companies, but companies, uh, especially from the industrial area, they will keep on uh, with uh, struggling how to apply the technology. I think we have, saw, we have seen this in the last years and this will not change. I'm really looking forward to our last question here. Um, so we typically at the end of each podcast, we ask our guests to give it advice to other leaders. Um, so you are currently saying that nah, you doubt a little bit that blockchain will be something of benefit for traditional companies. But anyway, so what would be your kind of advice to leaders of companies? Um, should they turn away from their companies and then and, and, and look at blockchain more from a private personal perspective or what what would be your advice to other leaders regarding blockchain and and platforms at the moment yeah that's a, that's a good question so first of all uh, i actually i do think that there is benefit uh, with regard to blockchain technology for industrial companies there is benefit definitely but the industrial corporations so far have not been able to explore and exploit this entire benefit you know that's that's what i meant here but the benefit is there and what would what would be my recommendation i think it's very important to really understand blockchain at its core that requires some time investment and uh, and really digging into this topic for quite some time and blockchain is so complex partly that it's and, and so different from what we know so far that basically half a day workshop or a one day workshop is not sufficient. People have to investigate this technology for dozens of days, you know, like for weeks or maybe months until they really get the feeling about this technology. And to be honest, this is what industrial companies very often are not doing. And this is also what decision makers in these companies companies are also not doing you know they they think they might uh, understand blockchain technology by uh, uh, like a four-hour workshop but that's not possible right you can't understand this technology which uh, without a, a significant investment of time so i think my recommendation would be investigate blockchain very thoroughly but it costs time and then the, the second recommendation would be try to understand the technology from an individual's perspective. Why does it make sense uh, to use it from an individual's perspective, not just focusing on uh, corporate use cases? Because sometimes my feeling is that the individual's use cases, you know, like storage of value, payment across boundaries, and so on and so forth, are better for individuals than for companies. There can be a, a first step anyway, uh, or an easier step uh, to, to grasp, maybe. Thank you very much, Philippe. I think, uh, like uh, <laughs> you can hear from all of Matthias, this is a question that we could go on for, with, with uh, on this topic for quite a while. And no doubt uh, we'll want to uh, invite you again uh, in uh, a few months or a year or so, and, uh, and, and gauge how, how, you know, how your, your position has uh, evolved or not, or is consolidated uh, on, on this topic. We'll have probably also more use cases uh, and more platforms that we can uh, uh, relate to and, and take as examples uh, that use uh, blockchain technology. But for now, I think we have just have to thank you and uh, and close this call and uh, uh, yeah, again, thanks a lot uh, for sharing all this with us. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. 
Yeah, thank you, Philip, for joining. Uh, it was a pleasure as always and looking forward to another conversation. Thank you a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.